What you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, you sick freak. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Today, we are concentrating on one topic only, and that is, what the hell is going on? We are... We everything seems to be on fire and everything we try to do seems to only make it worse. Am I alone in that? We are looking at we're watching the greatest country built on the greatest, most noble principles burn itself to the ground. We are flirting with disaster and I really truly believe, and I've said this for a long time, it's because we are just abandoning God. And we've done more than abandon God. We have, we're slapping him across the face every day. Get out, get out. In fact, I'm gonna show you who we worship as you're walking out the door. It's bad. That doesn't end well for a nation, but it's not hopeless. You know, people will ask me, how are, th- how are things? And I, somebody asked me, Glenn, you have, you know, one sentence advice for me? And I said, yes, prepare for impact. He was like, okay, that's not gonna make my night, you know, more comfortable. But I said, there is God. And if we will just turn, there is something we can do, but we have to be willing to change our lives. So. This is the beginning of a 40-day, 40-night exercise. How much are you willing to change? If you're tired of watching your country, then we all, including me, we all have to change. Americans are rejecting God, but we all say, oh yeah, we love God. We lie, we cheat, we hate our neighbor. The people who say they believe in God have got to step up and live it before they talk to anybody else. We have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to love God? What does God want me to do? Why do I exist? We have a brilliant man. Normally, I don't like people with five degrees, uh, but he has five degrees and this guy is great. He's got a doctorate in philosophy from Oxford. He is the dean at Masters International Divinity School, prolific author, traveling the world, just talking about principles. If you like the Beatitudes, you're gonna love the Beatitudes. He's gonna open this up and turn it upside down. You will see the Beatitudes unlike you've ever seen it before. We go in 60 seconds. When it comes to being prepared for disasters, there's no time like right now. If God forbid you find your family in a situation where food is hard to come by, you'll be glad you got ready for it in advance. Head to MyPatriotSupply.com. Prepare today with emergency food that will stay fresh for up to 25 years. Enjoyed a wide variety of delicious food kits, offering 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength under stress. And don't forget about water filtration, purification products. They're perfect for your bug out bag, your survival supply, or your camping pack. One thing is sure, change is coming. Be ready for it. Order by three today and your items will ship that fast today. MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Oh.
Skip Moen is here. Hi, Skip. How are you, Glenn? It's a great honor to be on your program. Oh. I was quite surprised that anyone would even ask, but thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. No, you're, I mean, you're, you're teaching just on the uh, mistranslation of the Beatitudes is some of the best stuff I've ever seen. So thank you so much. You're I welcome. Appreciate that. So let's go there. Okay. So the Beatitudes, they're blessings. You know, if we do these spiritual things, we're going to be blessed and get some reward. Blessed are the poor for yes. the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You say, uh-uh. Yes. No, no. The problem is, of course, that the, our idea of Beatitudes comes from the Latin translation, uh, which makes it sound like a blessing. But in both Greek and in Hebrew, uh, the more proper translation would be lucky. And, of course, the Christian world, uh, Christian publishers don't like, you know, the idea of yeah. luck in a religion. Right. So um, they don't use that. But both makarioi, which is the Greek term, and ashrei, which is the Hebrew term, are all about how lucky you are when these things happen to you. It okay. has nothing to do with you getting something. It's just a description of what it is like when you live these kinds of experiences. And, of course, every one of us can identify with some of this experience because it's all, as I say in my book, sacred paradoxes, things that are upside down that seem like the exact opposite of what they should be. And God uses all of those to you know, move us in his direction. So tell me about the word lucky here. I just want to dwell on this for a second. Um, okay. You know, because I used to say, oh, I'm I'm so lucky. And I, I believe we, I was in a conversation with this, with some bunch of people just the other day. You know how lucky we are to live at these times because we get to see who we really can be because our back is up against the wall. So we're lucky yeah. to, to live at this time. That's different than I'm blessed. And I, I now say I'm blessed or I'm lucky, and I mean two different things. Tell me, is there a difference like that in these translations from, from Hebrew? Or Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, actually, in the, the, you know, Hebrew is a very tactile, earthy kind of language. It's, it's about the land. It's about the people. It's about the dirt. It's about all the things that come into life and ordinary living. So luck plays a big part of that because good things happen and you think, oh, my gosh, how, how lucky, how blessed I am to be, you know, alive during this time. When the rain comes, it's a blessing. It's also lucky, by the way, because right. it means that I'll have crops. OK, so in that sense, luck and blessing are, are pretty much the same. But that's not what happened when the translation started changing the concept of this uh, Greek and Hebrew idea. By the time you get to the Vulgate, the Latin translation, you move in the direction of a blessing given by someone else. So, for as I suggest in my book, there might be an ecclesiastical reason for this, because in, those, in ancient times, you had to go to the priest to get a blessing. And the mm. idea is that he would bless you for some spiritual you know, exercise or some attitude that you had, and you would be rewarded for that. So now you become dependent upon the religious aristocracy to give you the blessing that you need in order to survive. But that's not what the biblical text is all about. The biblical text is about how lucky you are 
when these really terrible things happen to you. Okay, so so wait. Say, you know, the, the, let me let me let me just take one. Blessed are the okay. poor, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Um, there's yeah. no priest there that is blessing you uh, there, the poor. And what is the real? Yeah, so, what's the real translation? Is that okay? So um, the the Greek term starts with this uh, predicate adjective makarios, which we've translated as blessed, as though it's a verb, but it's not a verb. It's just a description of the character of a person who is, in this case, poor before God. Now, the interesting thing about that word is that there are multiple definitions for, or multiple terms in Greek and Hebrew for what poor means. And in this case, it means destitute. So it's not the day laborer. It's not the guy who, who lives from paycheck to paycheck. The idea is that the poor here is someone who's so, he's the beggar. He's the one who's laying in the street. He's so, so destitute that unless somebody comes and helps him, he's going to die, right? So now, it, now what Jesus is saying is how lucky you are to be completely destitute, which, which seems completely backwards. But then he goes on to say the paradox is that when you're that desperate for God, God shows up. The kingdom of God arrives, Right? He basically says the reason that the kingdom of God even shows up in life is because people are desperate for God. If you're not desperate, you're not going to see the kingdom. So your comment about the world is on fire is the perfect time for us to say, wait a minute, everything is falling apart. We're in desperate situations, desperate straits. Now is the time when we should be looking for the kingdom because that's when God arrives, when people are desperate for him. When we don't need God, yeah, it's like Heschel says, we, we put him in exile, and then we think, oh, we can survive without him. But in fact, what actually happens is that the world starts to collapse, as it is, and it's done many times before. And that's when desperation takes over, and that's when God starts looking to our hearts to see, you know, what, what to do next. So, so the Beatitude is all about... That kind of thing. So um, you're lucky, I, and I speak as a recovering alcoholic. I look at all of the tragedies in my life, and I look at them and say, I, and it took me a while to get here, but I look at them and go, you know, if that wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't have been here, and I wouldn't have been here, and I wouldn't have learned that, and I wouldn't have done that. Um, and sure. And you can look at all of the horrible things in your life, and if you view them as a blessing or lucky would be a better word in that case. You're looking at the things that you fail uh, and where you have really gone down to the bottom. You are lucky if you view it that way. And yeah, and you're and you're because your heart is open now. It's not like God comes and he's like, well, I'm waiting for you to be humble, and I'm not going to show. I've got some other thing. I've got to. I've got to play some pool at three this afternoon. He's what he's. He's always trying to get you, but you won't listen. So you're lucky because God's there, right? The kingdom of heaven is. Isn't that the full translation? Yeah. The the kingdom of heaven yeah. is. So he's there, but now you're open to him. Yeah. Now you see it. I wow. mean, look, I often say it this way. The best resume you can have is your failure resume, because God can't work with your success resume. You did that. 
He's working with your failure resume, the things that you collapsed over, the things that drove you to the ground, the things that put you on your knees. Those are the times when, you know, God becomes uh, the, the only solution to your life. And that's when he, when he really shows up. So I, I write two resumes when, when people ask for my stuff, I, you know, I send them the, you know, the five degrees and all the books and everything. And then I say, okay, wait a minute, there's another resume that you need to know about. And that's the one of all of my failures. All the things that I, that I couldn't do became the part of me that, that makes me who I am. Mm. So give me, so let me just go back to this one. And then can you, can you show us the different Beatitudes and what they really say? Lucky are those who are desperate because, because of them, the kingdom of heaven is. That's the actual translation? Exactly. Yeah, actually, there is a word hoti, and it means because of them. And no scholar will tell you that it should be translated for theirs is, because then it makes it sound like we get a piece of the real estate of heaven. Correct. That's not what happens at all, right? What happens is, because I'm desperate, the kingdom of God arrives. I mean, look what Jesus says. The kingdom is, is at hand, and what he means is, He's dealing with people who are finally desperate enough to see that God is ready to answer them, that he's going to show up, right? And it's because of their desperation that God shows up. And you can see that in the history of Israel. I mean, think about the number of times that that the prophets excoriate Israel over being too fat, too happy, too comfortable, that they ignore their social responsibility, they ignore the poor, and what happens? They collapse, and then when they collapse, they, they plead, God, you know, forgive us, bring us back, and then he, you know, he, he shows up, right? That, that's the kind of thing that goes on in this beatitude. And the second one is... Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. i got to take a break. we gotta, we got to come back. I have to tell you, just that is, is so affirming. And, uh, you know, in, in my life, at least, I've, I've said alcoholics are going to save the world because alcoholics know <laughs> when you, you, they, A, have a bottom... And it's not death. And B, they know you got to surrender to it and then just just surrender and then just do the things that you're supposed to do. And it's all going to be it's all going to be good because peace is already there. You just don't know how to access it because you won't surrender. So it's it's great. Hang on just a second. Let me tell you about real estate agents. I trust dot com. A job of a real estate agent is really very critical. Buying and selling houses is stressful. It's emotional uh, for the homeowner. It's a stress on everybody. Um, You know, the best person to step up for that job literally is the difference between you getting exactly what you want and need out of the deal and having to settle for something less. That's a decision that's going to stay with you for a long time. Years ago, I started Real Estate Agents I Trust because I was tired of dealing with mediocre real estate agents and honestly not knowing how to ask them questions on, are you good? Can you sell my house? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Realestateagentsitrust.com. We've done all of the vetting for you. I urge you, don't take my word for it. I want you to go and interview these people yourself. But these are the people who have the best practices and they... Your house is their priority. They have integrity. Their word means something. When they say, we're going to get your your house sold and get you into the right house, they mean it. And they'll do all they can to make it happen. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. 
All right, so so let's uh, let's go through these. Okay, go ahead. So the first one, of course, we've now talked about, but you know the the lucky ones are the destitute because the kingdom of God shows up. The second one we read as I'll read it from the new international or the New American Standard Bible. Um, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But think about that. The the term that's used there is the term for a person who's at a funeral. So why are people at funerals lucky? You would think that's the last place on earth that you would ever say, oh, I'm so lucky I'm at this funeral. Because you're alive. The point, yeah, yeah. Well, but the point is that once you are at, when you're at a funeral, you experience the fragility of life. For the first time, you come into contact with the fact that you're not in charge, right? That you can't make your life go on by yourself. You can't just decide, I'm going to live longer. You don't have any control over that issue of life and death. And when you're at a funeral, it smacks you in the face. The point there is, I'm really lucky because now I get to confront the fact that I'm not in control. It is the same feeling that we had on 9-11. If you're old enough to remember, it was the yeah. worst day. And, and it was, but it was the first day in my life where I went, oh, my gosh, this is so fragile. This could come down overnight. And I had yeah. never felt that before. And we're feeling that, I think, as a society, we're feeling that again. Yes. We're not quite sure how it's working yet. We know that there's something really wrong but we haven't been able to put our finger on it like an attack on the Twin Towers. But we know that something is happening that's destroying things, and it's making us feel out of control. All you have to do is look at the craziness of the politics that's going on in Washington. Those people are out of control, and that that makes me feel very vulnerable. And that's the time, because of this language, it says when, you, when you're in the, you know, when you confront death, especially death of a loved one, you realize how absolutely dependent you are on God. And that feeling of dependence goes right along with my desperateness for God. So the two Beatitudes work together. You know, the third one is even better, because the third one, you know, uh, just let me back up for a second. Jesus doesn't deliver these in Greek. He delivers them in Hebrew. So in order for me to really understand what's happening, I can't just read the Greek. I have to say, okay, well, what would happen if he was speaking this in Hebrew? And the word that he uses in Hebrew is ana, which we translate sometimes as gentle, but it really means humble. But it means more than that, because that word is about people who are oppressed. In fact, it's used for women who have been raped. Okay, so look at the third beatitude. Blessed are those who are oppressed, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, the whole point is no one would think that they're lucky because they were oppressed. No woman thinks she's lucky to be raped. No country thinks it's, it's lucky to be bombarded and overrun. But what Yeshua is saying is, no, wait, there's a paradox here. When you, when you come to the point where your life is not only not in your control, but where everything is happening that, that seems destructive. That's when something happens with God, and you recognize that there's a, that there's a hope, a future, a something that's going to happen afterwards, and you can build on that because God's promises are always true. Right? So I, even, if, even if I'm in the worst possible condition, 
as David is often in the Psalms, he will say, but you, Lord, are my rescue. In other words, yeah, life is shit, but, but, it, but it's not going to, it, it's not going to continue like that because I trust God will, will redeem, God will rescue. So the Beatitude takes this horrible situation and turns it upside down. Skip and, Moen. Uh, Skip Moen, he's an international Bible teacher. You can find him at skipmoen.com. We're going to continue our conversation here after a break. Stand by. The Glenn Beck Program. So here we are, starting our day out together. Feeling pretty good today. Feeling a whole lot better than I used to. How about you? Do you wake up this morning, hop out of bed, spring in your step? I didn't do that either, but at least I didn't get up the way I used to get up. It was like, oh, I just got to get up so I can go to work and then come home and go to bed. Uh, just hurting all the time. If you're living with pain in your life, hey, you're lucky because maybe you can try Relief Factor. 70% of the people um, that have tried Relief Factor have found some relief. They're ordering it month after month. Now, I want you just to try it. Get the three-week quick start. It's nineteen ninety-five. You take it as directed. See if you're part of that 70%. See if you can find relief. 70% of them go on to order more. Um, over a million people have tried it. It's worked for me. Try it, will you? ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. Or you can call them right now at the number 4 relief. 800 the number 4 relief. ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. Now's the time to subscribe to Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're so glad you're here. We have Skip Mullen on, international Bible teacher. Um, we've been talking about uh, the mistranslation of the Beatitudes, which totally turns things around. It goes, it, 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 it loses of, you do this, you know, if you're poor, I got a present for you at the end to be grateful that you're poor right now because... That's you get to see the kingdom of heaven because you're going to you can you can find it because you are desperate to find. It. That is fantastic. Skip. Fantastic. Um, I don't know why more people aren't teaching it this way. It's really good. Well, I think the reason that more people don't understand this is because we've had, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred years of the church's use of the Beatitudes as though they were spiritual rewards. And, you know, it's, it's comfortable. I mean, the Beatitudes are really, as I've said, spiritual paradoxes. They're very uncomfortable because they're all about the, the situations in life that we would like to avoid. Right. So, so, you know, when you read them like that, it doesn't preach very well. So uh, I think, it, especially in today's world where we are not grateful for anything, anything. And I, I have about a year or so ago, I, I, I don't know what made me think this, but I thought uh, it was my dad. It was longer than this. My dad, I wondered if he ever got to rev his 
philosophical or uh, spiritual RPMs to the red line because he didn't, you know, in his own way, he was challenged, but not the way people are challenged right now. Right now, we are entering a time where our RPMs are going to go up, you know, we're going to see what this internal engine can do. Um, And that is exciting and a blessing to be able to fully have to access our brain and our spirit. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think that um, when I when I talk about the Beatitudes, I often talk about these as the qualities of leadership, because, you know, frankly, if you don't have leaders who exhibit these kinds of characteristics, you, you have leaders who are, you know, who have the egomaniacal uh, attitudes toward themselves. I mean, when you think about what these Beatitudes say, they really say that, that this kind of heart of a person, this kind of character is the person that, yeah, not only that you want to follow, but you can't wait to follow because they, their lives are completely dedicated to, um, to the things that matter to God. Right. And, and that makes, that makes the nation work. When you walk away from that, when you have leadership that's focused on, on power or on something like that, then, you know, you lose the perspective of what God had in mind when he created the human society. Yeah. Okay. So we have, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek for they'll inherit the earth. Um, yes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yes. And, and the way that I read that uh, just very briefly is that those people are the ones who don't get what they deserve. So the paradox is the very people who hunger and thirst, that means they don't have it, right? In fact, the, the words in Greek mean a, 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 consi- a, a constant malnutrition. It's not just that I'm hungry today, but I've been hungry every day, right? Those people, says God, are the ones who exhibit the kind of attitude that I am looking for because they know that they need more. Okay. And then the, the next one says, um, blessed are the merciful, uh, the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And for most of our English translations, it looks like a tautology. Oh, yeah. Give mercy, get mercy. Right. But the problem is, is that that he that verse it literally is a is a, a line from Psalm 37. And the word there in Hebrew is chesed, and it doesn't mean mercy. It was mistranslated in the Septuagint and came over into the Greek as mercy, but it actually has this really interesting multi-level idea of my social, political, spiritual responsibility for others and for myself. It's all, Hesed is a really, really powerful word. We could spend an hour just talking about that one word. But what it means is, it's like the pay it forward program. It says, God did something for me, and I owe him for what he did. And he says, you have to pass it on to someone else for it to be, you know, be acceptable. You remember the, the uh, parable that Jesus gave about the rich, about the man who owed a huge amount of money and the king forgives him. Right. And then he goes out and, and takes his friend and says, give me, you know, give me what I, what you owe me, which was a tiny amount. 
And when he throws his friend in, in jail, the king hears this, and he rescinds the forgiveness and, and deals very harshly with the man. That, that's the idea. That mm-hmm. If I'm going to show chesed, I'm going to show this community care in my life, then it, it, has to be, it has to be extended to the next person. It isn't just for me. It's got to go on through the society. Next one is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Yeah, and you know that if you know anything about the Bible at all, you know that no one can see God. So the paradox here is, how in the world can you ever have a pure enough heart so that you can see God? Because the Bible tells you no man can see God and live. So something else is going on behind this. And in my, my analysis is, okay, wait a minute, he's not saying that you're going to see God that is, you're going to be in front of the, you know, the holy fire. What he's saying is, you're, if, you, if you work on the purity of your heart, the integrity of your heart, you will begin to see God's hand, invisible handiwork in the lives of men. And it's exactly what Jesus said when he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the behavior. You've seen the attitudes. You've seen the care. You see God happening in the lives of other people. And you can't see it if you're if you're not looking for purity of heart, it'll be blind to you. You won't even recognize it. But once you concentrate on purity of heart, then you'll start to see God show up. And as you said, he's there all the time. You just haven't been in a position to recognize it. Blessed, so is even, yep. yeah, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will yeah. be called the children of God. Yeah, and this is really interesting because a peacemaker is not someone who's at peace. A peacemaker is the one who makes peace for others. In other words, a peacemaker is the one who's shot at from both sides. Right? Wow. And think about it. We, 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 we read that and they think, oh, I want peace, so then I can, you know, I can, I can be called the Son of God because I'm going to be at peace. But that's not what God's saying. What he's saying is, you have to be the one to step into the conflict. You have to be the one to be, to be shot at from both sides in order to bring peace. That's the idea. You are a peacemaker, and the peacemaker is not the one who enjoys peace. He's the one who's yeah. you know, in the middle of the fight trying yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, blessed are those you know who are, are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Yes. And this is really interesting because in Hebrew, uh, the idea is to be pursued, right? So it's not that you're being tortured and imprisoned and all that kind of stuff. It means that Someone is after you because you're standing for righteousness. And boy, is that ever true in life today. Well, you, ain't you stand up for God's values and people come after you, right? And when, what this beatitude is saying is, you're lucky when that happens. I mean, remember, all of these are not blessings. All of these are a description of how lucky you are to be in those positions. And, of course, it's exactly the opposite of what we think. You know, we want peace, comfort, wealth, happiness. And what God is saying is those things are exactly the things that keep you away from me. It's in the middle of all this other stuff that, you, that you're more likely to find who I am and who you are. Um, and then from a leadership perspective, I think it's, you know, it's the code of conduct that we need in, in our leaders if we're going to see any change at all. It's really a, important stuff. It's amazing to me how God made us to where our natural instinct is an enemy of God. You know, our natural instinct is to not do any of those things. 
And yet when we do them, we feel so good, but it's so easy to lose that where I never lose the desire to eat ice cream always. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes me feel good when I eat it. And I never think, Oh, you know what? I haven't thought about ice cream for a while. But when it comes to service and all of these other things, you're like, oh, yeah, I should do that. Uh, And then you're driving. Why am I going again? I've got so much stuff to do. And you feel good. Why is it that we forget all of that? But, you know, in Hebrew thought, in Jewish thought, there's a real interesting uh, perspective on what it means to be human. Uh, it's It's the conflict between... Uh, what's called the Yitzhak Yitzhatov, the, the inclination to good and the inclination to evil. And what Jewish thought is, is that we are the crossroads between those. You never get rid of one or the other. Correct. They're always there. Because the, the reason that they're always there is because that inclination to do for myself is what makes me go out into the world and get a job and marry and have children and change the world to fit me. And that's a really powerful thing. We've been exercising that since we were born. Along comes the other inclination, the inclination to to submit my desire for myself to God's will. That's the inclination to good. And that conflict goes on in me all the time. It never stops. It just is a matter of which one I feed, right? It's like going to the gym. If I keep practicing uh, lifting you know, for biceps, I only get big biceps, but my quads are going to be no good unless I lift lift for the quads as well. And so, what what the Hebrew idea is, you need you need to practice both. You, of course, you need to be not a couch potato. You need to get up and change the world. But in changing the world, you need to make that change happen on God's behalf. So you subvert that that innate desire to change things so that it becomes a function of what God wants as well. And this list of Beatitudes just tells you, here's the characteristics that you need to be looking for. You're fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> and you, and you uh, I mean, how humble of you to say, I didn't know anybody would ever want me on. Uh, I, I think you're fantastic, and I, I'd like to have you again. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that, Glenn. Thank you so much. I, I, you know, I tend to stay below the radar, but um, it's really nice to, to finally talk to you. I've been listening to you for many years, and oh. I really appreciate the time to talk. Thank you, Skip. Can I ask you a question? Because you've listened, sure. uh, you've listened to me. Uh, is are, uh, Go ahead. are are we? We are at the place where we're really, really lucky. Uh, you, you optimistic for Americans figuring this out and, and changing their life spiritually so we can ask for God's help again? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic in the sense that I know that God is anxious for us to turn to him and he's always responsive to that. I'm pessimistic when I look at human history. Yeah. Because I've seen I've seen this it, look it it was the Persians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, uh, you know, the Greeks, the Romans. We were all there have been stages in human history where we've come to this point of utter disaster. And and unfortunately, most of the time it's led to collapse. It's not because 
you know, God is pushing it that way. It's no. Because we, we, re, we didn't respond to his invitation to change. And, and you know, it's, I, I'm, I, it reminds me of Ezekiel when Ezekiel goes hmm. after the leadership. I mean, he excoriates yes. them by saying, Here, you, you know, it's not the people. He holds the leadership accountable for the whole thing. He says, you, you sent the people in the wrong way. You, right. You're responsible for all this. And, and when I look at what's happening in America, I, you know, I live in Italy. And, and um, so I'm a little bit removed. But, right. um, you know, it's crazy. My wife and I are really involved in, in, in every day, you know, checking on what's going on. And I really feel like, boy, as you said, we're at desperate times. I yeah, mean, we're we are. really at the edge. We are. Um, thank you so much, Skip. We'll talk again. Jamie Diamond, by the way, join us with our 40-day, 40-night preparatory uh, exercises. You can find them at glenbeck.com right on the front page. Jamie Diamond, who is no stranger to financial predictions, says we are on an economic sugar high right now he is urging people to prepare for interest rates as high as seven percent which is a staggering indicator of stagflation uh and then he says prepare yourself for stock market uh crashes okay all right that's good uh in uncertain times what do you do you can only do what you can do and then you leave it the rest to god Here's what one thing you can do. If you have money saved, that money is going to be devalued more and more Buy something that doesn't lose its value in inflationary times. And that's gold or silver or precious metals right now. If you buy a tube or a box of historic five dollar gold Liberty or Indian coins, you're going to receive a five pack of gold lines coveted two ounce silver maple flex bars. That's 10 ounces or 95 individual silver bars for free. It's 866-GOLDLINE. Call them right now. 866-GOLDLINE. The Glenn Beck Program. You know, I've become a better, I don't know, prayer uh, uh, lately. And I think it's because my son went to college and, uh, you know, he, 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 I don't get to talk to him all the time. And I look forward to when he calls and I try to call him and he's busy or whatever. And, uh, I realized the other day, wow, that, I, I think that's the way God feels about, you know, me. Oh, really? Checking in. What do you, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? I was like, no dad, I just want to say hi. Thanks. Things are great. Uh, Join us on our 40-day, 40-night journey uh, as we prepare for America's Covenant that will happen on this broadcast just before Thanksgiving. Tell all your neighbors, your friends, get your church involved. You can find the details at glenbeck.com slash first four zero first 40 glenbeck.com. You'll find the link on the front page. The Glenn Beck Program.